think working on your mindset is definitely the biggest advice that I could probably give. You can do all of the healthy things to keep your body the way that you need it to be. But if your mind is constantly, you know, there's no way that you can switch off or you you can't seem to just sit down and, and read a book or spend 30 minutes a day doing something that you really enjoy and that you love. I always say that I don't have an off switch and I don't think many entrepreneurs or many business owners have an off switch, but it's maybe learning to have that volume button. I don't think we're ever going to be able to just turn everything off completely because my mind certainly just goes, well, I'd love to do, even if I'm not thinking about work, I'm thinking about what I would like to do for my business, like next steps and that sort of thing. But I think that's in a way that's a little bit healthier than just constantly working because you're in a panic mode and you're stressed and that sort of thing. So I've certainly learned to stop the doom scrolling on socials and maybe don't watch as much TV and sit and read a book instead. Maybe listen to an audio book or some podcasts instead of just, yeah, social media can really trip you up, I think. So, but I think it's looking after your mind and figuring out means to you. Everybody's different. So whatever that means to you, then then do that. Welcome to the Property Management Podcast with That Property Mum. I'm your host, Kylie Walker. I'm a former television sports journalist and mother of four turned co-owner of a million-dollar real estate brand. Each week, I teach women in the property management industry all the best tips to help you balance your career and family, grow your dream business, master your fear, boost your confidence, and conquer your mindset. Ready to get started? Let's dive in. Welcome to another episode of the Property Management Podcast. I'm Kylie Walker, and thank you so much for having me in your ears yet again. Now, I want to ask you a serious question here. Do you listen to your body? And if you're shaking your head, no, of course not. Who would ask that question? Well, stay listening to this episode. I've been so very guilty over the years of not listening to my body. You see, our bodies are constantly trying to send us messages, whether that's the feeling of our gut instinct, it's maybe a tension headache, maybe your neck and shoulders are stiff and sore because you've been spending too much time at the computer. There's all sorts of things it's constantly trying to tell us, and yet we just keep pushing through and ignoring those telltale signs something's not quite right in our world. And generally, there's something emotionally or mentally going on that we aren't dealing with. And this was me for years. When I started running my own business, I just constantly pushed through. I never took a break. I just worked. And when I went on holidays and finally let my body relax, I got sick from iron infections to flus, and eventually it developed into a heart arrhythmia. But what if I told you that my guest in this episode nearly lost her life because she pushed through the signs her body was telling her? Slow down. Stop rest, take a break. It was literally screaming at her. And in fact, she was only given a 10% chance of survival. And imagine being told that knowing she'd be leaving behind her husband and three-year-old daughter. Luckily, she beat the odds and overcame pneumonia and sepsis. And not many people do, but Jodie Fraser has that rare, resilient spirit and determined mindset. And it's not really a surprise that she's an award-winning property business owner. Jodie is the owner and director of Fraser Allen Estate Management in the UK. 
Her company manages the communal area of blocks of residential properties in the south of England. And after almost 10 years as a property manager, like many of us, she became despondent and wanted something more. So she went out and started her own business. And while there's no regrets, it's certainly been a wild ride for Jodie. And in this episode, she shares the highs and absolute lows in her entrepreneurial journey and how burnout nearly buried her at 39. Jodie, thank you so much for joining me on the Property Management Podcast all the way from the UK. It's really exciting to have you here. Now, before we dive in and chat further, can you just share with our audience a little bit about yourself and how you got started doing what you do now? Absolutely. So, hi, I'm Jodie Fraser. Yes, in the UK, it's a place called Bristol. And I started in this industry, gosh, 17 years ago now. And I just started feeling quite, you know, 10 years in, changing different companies and and that sort of thing. I started to feel quite despondent, I suppose, with how things were being run and, you know, how I couldn't do what I wanted to do. And that was to look after the client and to look after the people living in the properties that I was managing. I was just finding it more and more difficult to lead a team when my leaders weren't really leading me in the way that I saw as being appropriate for the industry, I guess. So that led me to start up on my own and start my company, Fraser Allen Estate Management, seven years ago, which has been a challenge. It's been amazing all at the same time. So it's been, yeah, during that time, I got married, I had a baby, we had COVID, and it's been a roller coaster, shall we say. (laughs) Yeah, well, you also had a health crisis in amongst that. And I was reading some stuff on you, and it says that, you know, the headline that I read was, you know, award-winning property entrepreneur. Yeah. So you are actually an amazing award-winning entrepreneur, but you nearly lost your life. And it was a very scary end to a burnout story. So can you share with our audience, because I know a lot of people are going to be able to relate to this, how did you get to that point? So this was November 2022 is when I actually got hospitalized with pneumonia and sepsis. But prior to that, I'd had um, numerous chest infections, just kept being generally under the weather. But as you do when you're business owner, you keep going, you ignore it, you maybe have a few hours sleep in the afternoon, but then you work into the evening and that sort of thing. And I had a chest infection when I was on holiday with my family back in September last year. And yeah, I was really, really poorly, but the doctors didn't really do much over here. They only gave me three days worth of antibiotics. It obviously didn't clear up the infection, but I kept going stupidly. I didn't push it you know, our NHS over here, you know, the doctors and everything, they're all working so, so hard, but the NHS is really on its knees. And, you know, from a cost perspective, they obviously didn't want to give more antibiotics than they felt that they needed to. However, I needed more. And then leading on to November, I got a chest infection again, didn't clear up, more antibiotics, more antibiotics, didn't clear up, carried on working, went to an awards event in on one evening and a charity event the next evening. And that evening when I was at the charity event is when I got really bad and my heart rate went up ridiculously to a hundred and over a hundred anyway, 114, I think it was initially. But by the time I was hospitalized, a few days later, my heart rate was 140, really high fever, 
I couldn't breathe and was diagnosed with sepsis and pneumonia. And I was very, very close to not being here anymore. Which must have been tough to hear. It was awful. My mum was with me. I was trying to get hold of my husband. He was in work and at a conference, so he didn't have his phone with him. So my mum, but the doctors managed to get hold of my mum. She came to the hospital with me and they basically said, if the treatment doesn't work in the first hour, then I've only got a 10% chance of surviving. And I'm only 39. I only mean, just turned 39 as well at that point. So, yeah, a and very how old scary was... time, thankfully. Oh, sorry. How old was your daughter as well? She had just turned three. So she's nearly four now, but she had just turned three. And I just never want to see that look on her face again. You know, like even now, nearly a year on, she'll if I fall asleep on the couch or whatever, she'll say, you know, mummy, are you poorly or are you just tired? And it's just think, oh my God, has that affected her to the point where she's not going to forget what happened to me, even though she was only three? And it's just terrifying, really. That must have been an awful experience. And I can feel for what you went through. I had a mother with sepsis a couple of years ago, and it was not a great experience. So I can't imagine going through it myself, though, and with (laughs) kids as well. So Maybe let's talk about, if you don't mind, some of the signs that you were ignoring and maybe diving into that mindset, you know, why were you pushing yourself so hard? Because I know I can relate to that as well. So Yeah. I mean, from the pushing myself side of it, I I honestly felt like I didn't have a choice. You know, it's my business, the buck stops at me. Yes, I've got staff and they're amazing. Only recently taken them on. They weren't fully trained at that point. I didn't want to let them down. I didn't want to let my family down from a financial perspective if I didn't work. I didn't want to let my clients down because, you know, I've got a lot of clients, so I didn't want them to feel let down by me if I wasn't working. I honestly felt like I didn't have any other option. There was no opportunity to rest. There was emails coming through. There were phone calls coming through. I had to keep going. I just couldn't see any light at the tunnel. And I know that sounds ridiculous, when it's your health and it's your family at risk. But when you're in it, I just couldn't see any way out. I just couldn't see that there was going to be an option for me to stop. Or if I could just get to the weekend, I can rest. But actually, I still need to do at least five hours of work. So I'll rest, but I'll work a bit in a more relaxed setting. And it was just so difficult to try and see a light at the end of the tunnel, if that makes sense. It was very, very hard. And I know that sounds stupid, but. (laughs) No, and I guess, and the signs that you were ignoring was just those physical signs, you know, the fevers, the chest infections. Yeah, fevers, chest infections. I kept getting the odd cold and just thinking, oh, it's just a cold. It's just the time of year or constant headaches, always getting headaches. And to be fair, that's my biggest sign now. I've been struggling for the last couple of weeks with really bad headaches and migraines. And I know now that if I start feeling like I get, if I start to sweat like at the back of my neck and inside my arms, my vision goes, I feel a little bit like I may have had a little bit too much to drink, for example. You know, you've had too many gins and everything starts to spin. That's how I feel before I get a really bad headache. So I've started to recognize now and just think, well, I just need to take some painkillers and go to bed for a few hours. And It's not ideal because obviously I'm still getting the headaches because I'm working too much maybe, but at least I'm recognising the signs a little bit more now and looking after myself a bit more. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about some of maybe what an experience 
that near-death experience. Sorry to sound so dramatic, but that's kind of what you did have. Let's talk about some of the transformations or changes in your life since that experience. And what advice would you give to someone who maybe is on the brink of that, not just burnout, but that goes beyond burnout. And I was exactly the same. I ended up with a heart condition, my purely from too much stress and my overactive nervous system. You know, that even goes the next step beyond burnout, where it's literally your body saying, I'm not doing this anymore. So what advice would you give someone who is on the brink of burnout and beyond? Yeah, I mean, I think there's the generic, obvious things like, you know, exercise, eat healthy, drink lots of water, all of that kind of stuff. But I don't think there's not enough water in the world to take away the fact that your mind isn't where it needs to be. So I think working on your mindset is definitely the biggest advice that I could probably give. You can do all of the healthy things to keep your body the way that you need it to be. But if your mind is constantly, there's no way that you can switch off or you can't seem to just sit down and read a book or spend 30 minutes a day doing something that you really enjoy and that you love. And I always say that I don't have an off switch and I don't think many entrepreneurs or many business owners have an off switch, but it's maybe learning to have that volume button a bit more. I don't think we're ever going to be able to just turn everything off completely because my mind certainly just goes, well, I'd love to do, even if I'm not thinking about work, I'm thinking about what I would like to do for my business, like next steps and that sort of things. But I think that's in a way that's a little bit healthier than just constantly working because you're in a panic mode and you're stressed and that sort of thing. So I've certainly learned to stop the doom scrolling on socials and maybe don't watch as much TV and sit and read a book instead. Maybe listen to an audio book or some podcasts instead of just social media can really trip you up, I think. So, but I think it's looking after your mind and figuring out what that means to you. Everybody's different. So whatever that means to you, then do that. Yeah, absolutely. And so would you say that you're in a much better place now? You know, you said you were definitely aware of it. I can certainly relate to that, not being able to switch off your mind, constantly thinking of what I should be doing next. But for you personally, yeah, would you say that you wouldn't get to that point again now? Like, you know, you've got some strategies in place, I guess, to pull back. Yeah, absolutely. I think I've definitely got the physical side of things down. I know when I'm getting poorly and it's not always possible. I've got a nearly four-year-old and, you know, it's not always going to be possible to rest when you want to rest because she wants to play hide and seek or she wants to play a board game or go outside or something like that. But I think, you know, I've got a really supportive husband. And if I just say, I really need to get an early night, can you do bedtime tonight? And I think last weekend, for example, I was in bed and asleep by seven because I knew that I just needed that sleep. And he did everything, bath time, bedtime, all of that kind of stuff. And I just couldn't manage it. So I just said, I need to rest. And I need to sleep. And I slept solidly through the night, which was great. But yeah, watching out for those signs and just definitely just looking after yourself. Everybody's different. Everybody copes differently. I still get stressed. I still have days when yesterday was a prime example when I had a couple of emails from clients that could be termed as aggressive, which happens sometimes, unfortunately. And because I was tired and I'd had long meetings and long days, I had a cry and I think, you know, just let it out. <laughs> Ultimately, it's 
not a sign of weakness. It's just a coping strategy that I have. And if that works for you, then do that. anything like me, you think you know your rent roll numbers. Well, I thought I did until I had a rent roll health check and I was quite literally shocked. The money I was leaving on the table was astounding and this is not something that I'm proud to admit. There were mismanagement fees, let fees, advertising and lease renewal fees not being charged and properties even without bonds. And all of this was happening despite monthly audits being conducted in my business. So how did I uncover all these gaps in my valuable income? Well, I had a rent roll due diligence from my good friend Tazi, aka the Rent Roll Queen and founder of the Tazi Way, a specialist in rent roll due diligence, business valuation and management rights. The Tazi Way is the innovative force driving the real estate industry. With 25 years of business and real estate acumen, they find gaps and risks in your agency to find under discovered value. If you'd like to book your business in for a rent roll due diligence, head to the link in the show notes and mention that property mum for a 10% discount. Yep. I've just cried nearly every day for the last two weeks. So yeah, I can again empathize with that as well. I'm not normally a crier, but you know, sometimes you just feel like everything just, like I said to you, I'm heading your way. I'm heading to the UK and I've got a whole month of just catching up with amazing friends and traveling with my daughter. But I think for me that, you know, my sign is is the teariness. It's not yeah. usually my go-to, but I definitely need a holiday. So I'm going to run with yeah. that excuse anyway. Uh, <laughs> definitely. Well, I'm so glad to hear that you are well and that things are improving. Let's talk about property management in the UK. And your business is a little bit different from traditional business. We would call it strata management here in Australia. but you know, obviously burnout is a big issue in your industry mm-hmm. as well over in the UK. What are some of the other struggles or things that have happened post-COVID that you were dealing with in property management? I think post-COVID is mainly the issues around getting materials. Materials are really expensive. Things that, you know, if you're looking at doing a an internal decoration of a communal area, for example, you're looking at maybe three, four times more than in a couple of years ago or pre-COVID. And obviously with, we're in a cost of living crisis, there's an energy crisis going on. All of that stuff is affecting people and being able to pay their bills. So if you then add on the fact that everything is increased, if you want any work done to your building to maintain your asset, that obviously then gets really tricky as well. And then you get people complaining that, you know, things aren't being done to the standard of the terms of their lease, for example, But if you don't have the money there, you can't maintain the building. And also from the flip side, from the business point of view, if people don't pay what we call service charge towards the communal area, I can't take my management fee. So then I don't get paid. So then I can't pay my staff. So it's just this whole vicious circle of drama, really, since COVID. But we're also going through the issues post, I'm sure you heard about it, when Grenfell Tower burnt down and all of the crisis we've got going on with that. Um, building safety, fire safety, all of those things. There's a huge push, obviously, quite rightly, to make sure that buildings are are safe from fire and combustible cladding. So, yeah, it's everything from cladding to COVID to energy. (laughs) Everything is just um, a bit tricky. 
Yeah. All costs and yeah. crisis, all the C's are problematic for you at the moment by the yes definitely definitely and you know we're not getting a lot of guidance from the government either so you know they'll say that you have to do x y and z to ensure building safety but then the responsible person to do that isn't very clear so is it the building that people who live in the building is it their agent is it the landlord you know and it's just there's no clarity at all and even our legal advisors with our governing body and everything they're going to government and saying you need to tell us because you're threatening to put us in prison but you're not telling us who's responsible so we can't put those processes in place it's really really tricky at the moment that it sounds like a bit of a headache no wonder there's a bit of stress and burnout and yes yeah the systems are highly activated because there's nothing worse than gray areas in legislation And if you can't go back to your property owners and say, hey, if you don't do this, you're going to jail. I'm not. Yeah. So you pay this money or we need to make this compliant. But if there's not that and the property owner's coming back to you and saying, well, no, there's no threat there, like it's back on you. Oh, that must be a tough spot to be in. It really is. It really is. And, you know, unfortunately, because there's no clarity, in a way people can make up their own rules So, you know, some developments, none that I manage, thankfully, but some that I'm aware of, a bit like what you just said, you know, well, there's nothing, so there's no clarity on this, so we're just not going to do anything. And, you know, the managing agent is pushing and, you know, ultimately that creates a difficulty between you and the client that you don't want to have. You don't want to have a bad relationship with your client. So from our point of view, we're trying to advise and we're trying to say, you know, These are the things that you need to do to make your building safe and compliant and not just safe for you as the building owner, for example, but as the people who live in it. You know, you've got 80 people living in this building and you need to make sure that it's safe for all of them and it's not just your decision. And then we find that people can get a bit aggressive with us and it's not a nice place to be sometimes. And, you know, I'm working with a charity at the moment They've designed this amazing app, which is like a personal safety app, or is a personal safety app called Hollyguard. And you can put in there, like if you're in a meeting, you can put when the meeting starts. And if it doesn't finish within the time period that you've set, that notifies your employer or whoever you put in, your next of kin, your husband, whatever. And the app is fantastic for our industry here in the UK, which is the fact that it gives you that sense of, well, okay, it's not going to stop something from happening. But if it does happen, I've put these processes in place that my loved ones or my employer are going to know if I haven't left that meeting or if I haven't reached my destination or if a client or a resident is being, which I've had personally, a bit you know, unpleasant, stalking, harassing. You can put all of that information into this app. And if anything were to have happened to me, that information is stored in the cloud and it can be recovered by the police so it's an amazing design of what they've done and i really think it's going to be amazing for our industry here in the uk is it just for the uk or can it be at the moment it is yeah they are working on making it worldwide they're working on i know they've had some talks with people in america not 100 percent sure on australia yet but that is the goal ultimately they're a domestic abuse charity around It was set up by a guy called Nick Gazard, who his daughter was unfortunately murdered when she was 20 because her ex-partner 
was abusing her ultimately. And he's created this safety app for people who are, you know, in a domestic abuse relationship, but also anybody who's like jogging, they can use it. Anybody who's just going for a walk on their own or, or anything like that. But I picked up on it because the property industry needs something like this. Even if you're going in from a sales or a letting perspective, you know, a rental perspective, you're still going into people's homes, you're going into properties on your own. It's a very lonely place to be. And, you know, loan working policies need something like this. And it's just fantastic. Really, That's is. amazing. Please let me know if they bring it into Australia that I will. Uh, talk yeah, to them. it is. I know I personally have had situations where I've been showing people through properties and felt very uncomfortable with certain people that have been in there at different times. So, and there has been a few instances here in Australia where especially women have been attacked showing people properties and stuff. You know, everything's online now. It's so transparent to see who's taking people through the property. If, you know, there is a stalker or those domestic violence situations, it's very easy for people to see where you are and what time you're going to be at a particular property. You're yeah. an easy, you're a sitting duck if you are unfortunately in one of those situations. So, Love it. Let yeah. me know when it comes to Australia. I, now, I love personal development. Can you share a tool, resource, book, podcast, something that you think will help our listeners? So I think from a podcast perspective, have you heard of Stephen Bartlett? Yeah, he's the diary of a CEO. Oh, he's, yes, I have. Um, yep. Yes. So yes. he's only early 20s, I think. Yep. Yeah, he's really, really young. And his podcast is fantastic. I was listening to one with him with Simon Sinek yesterday and it's just, yeah. And he has some amazing guests, but his early stuff as well is very, I think it's just on his own and it's just very focused on personal development and mindset. He talks a lot about breath work and that sort of thing. So I think from a podcast perspective, I think Stephen Bartlett is just the one to listen to, definitely. And a book we've got over here, there's a psychologist called Dr. Julie Smith. And she has a book called Why Did Nobody Tell Me This Sooner or something like that. It's basically, I was reading it and I thought, oh my gosh, why did nobody explain that to me of why my mind works in certain ways or, you know, how you can, simple things like, you know, if your tolerance level is, imagine a, a glass and your tolerance level is the water that's filled that glass. If something else comes in, it's all going to overflow. But the way she explains everything is really clever. And she's on Instagram as well. And it's just, it's really great. I'm going to go and have a listen to that. That sounds like something I need yeah. to listen to. And I love that. If yeah. Talking <laughs> really, you know, in really simple language. Simplistic terms. Yeah. yeah. Simplistic <laughs> terms. That's the word. One question I want to just go back. I normally sort of wrap up now, but a lot of my audience are in that process of starting businesses and that entrepreneurial. There's mm -hmm. a lot of property managers who, similar to your story, who got a, have been working for years, got a bit despondent and have now decided mm -hmm. to go out and start their own businesses. So maybe just want to quickly talk about how you overcame maybe your fears or your limiting beliefs about going out on your own and was it the best thing that you ever did apart from getting burnt out? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, don't do that bit. From my perspective, I think I've always had that entrepreneurial spirit in a way. I remember, you know, when you've got the catalogues of where you could get everything from, you know, everything from shampoo to a desk. And I remember going through one of those when I was younger and just thinking, I wanted to be a hairdresser when I was about seven. And going through this catalogue and being like, oh, well, I'd like that chair and I'd like this and only the best for my clients. And I can remember it to this day. And I've always had that. I'd love to run my own business. I just didn't really know 
I didn't really know what and how to do it. Um, and it took me, you know, I was in my 30s when I did it. I probably, if I'd done it in my 20s, I don't think I would have had the right type of confidence. I think, you know, when I was early 20s, I was very ambitious, very much a, oh, I'm going to reach this level by this time and maybe a little bit too cocky for my own good. But I was just excited for my career and to build my career. And I'm a nice person. I didn't mean it in a cocky or arrogant way. I was just excited to progress. And, okay, so if I reach this bit, what do I do next? And to get to that bit. But I just think... I needed to write my own narrative in a way. I needed it to be about, not all about me, but I needed to control things a bit more. I didn't want to wait until my boss decided I was worthy to be promoted, even though I worked so hard and done everything that he'd asked me to do or she'd asked me to do. And then they still said no. I just decided that, okay, well, now's the time to just go out on my own and see if it works and it has thankfully but it's been a roller coaster I'm not saying it's been sometimes it's been amazing and sometimes it's been gosh I why (laughs) did I do this but no regrets you know no no I think if you'd asked me a year ago or leading up to my being really really unwell I probably would have said why did I do this to myself but no I don't think I regret it I don't think there's any point in having regrets. I've done it now. So I can only learn and get better every day and hope that I give a good service to my clients and everything and just keep learning from everything. Brilliant. I love that message. Keep learning. It never stops. Yeah. You never get to yeah. a point, I think, when you've got your own business where you go, okay, I'm here now. Let's just sit. You just never no. get to that point. It's, <laughs> it's okay, what's next? What's next? What's next? Yeah. Which is an amazing yeah. part of being a business owner, I think. So how can our audience connect with you? What's the best place if anyone wanted to find out more and anyone's heading over your way like me? Yeah, so probably the best place is LinkedIn. So I'm Jodie Fraser on LinkedIn. My website is fraserallenem.co.uk. So you can find out about the business there. And we are on socials is Fraser Allen Estate Management as well, um, Facebook and Instagram. But the main area that I post about various different things from burnout to property management stuff is LinkedIn. So it's probably the best place to get me. Amazing. Thank you so much. It's been amazing to connect with you and I'm looking forward to catching up with you when I come over there next month. Yeah. Thank you for having me. One thing I dread doing is chasing up rent arrears and debt collection. It takes up valuable time and it can often lead to conflict. But it is a necessary evil when you are running a property management business. But there is an easier way to make sure your tenant's rent is paid on time and in advance, and it's called RentPay. RentPay is a secure and simple to use payment platform that saves agents time and money with fast, accurate receding while making life better for renters. To top it all off, you'll never have to worry about dishonor fees or unknown deposits again. How good is that? Cleared funds are deposited straight into your bank account in a single daily payment with accurate receipting and reference numbers auto-assigned, and it's fully compatible with all trust accounting systems. It's a super flexible payment option for tenants who can pay rent in multiple ways, including direct debit, credit card, or instantly pay with payer ID. Fees are minimal, and RentPay even helps with the rent arrears process by automating reminders, 
to renters when payments are due or missed. If you are currently paying large bank fees, struggling with constant dishonours because the funds aren't cleared when their funds land in your trust, or wasting time chasing up unknown payments, I encourage you to book in a free demo with RentPay and give yourself and your renters an easier way to pay rent. There's been so much talk of stress, overwhelm and burnout in property management lately. Do you want to know how I overcame all of that? Yes, I hit rock bottom multiple times, but I got myself a virtual assistant. Actually, not just one, but three. But I didn't just get any VA, I got a PMVA. What are they? Well, they are the most well-trained in the business. And not only that, you also have a backup VA, so that essentially your business is never without admin support ever again and my health time and business has never looked back your pmva can take care of tasks like rent arrears lease preparation and renewals maintenance follow-up routine inspection bookings data entry audits prospecting inbox management and so much more and the best part of implementing a pmva in my business was that it freed up my time and my team's time to take care of important things like customer service. What makes me feel so safe is that PMVA is owned by Tiffany Botel, both here and in the Philippines, making my data secure and giving me more control over the VA arrangement. So head to the link in the show notes to book in your discovery call with Lady Boss Tiff. Can I ask you a quick favor before you leave this episode? Now, we all know how important reviews are for businesses these days, and mine is no different. If you could spare just a minute to follow, rate, and review this podcast, it would mean a lot to me. In fact, what would get me super excited is if you share this podcast with someone in the industry who you think might need to hear some of the episodes right now. And if you'd like to find out more about working with me or any of the products I have to help you start, grow or scale your property management business, head to my website, thatpropertymum.com.au or check out the links in the show notes.